0: And the Oscar goes to Spotlight. Uh, This film gave a voice to survivors and this Oscar amplifies that voice, which we hope will become a choir that will resonate all the way to the Vatican. Uh,
1: we're going to talk about something very seriously. We got an email from one of our favorite listeners and, um, he brought up the fact that it would be really good if we could talk about the, uh, I mean, he it, it, he indirectly brought this up, but that it'd be good if we talked about the um, clergy abuse. And I've thought about this a lot. So the great thing about podcasting is it allows you to have a real long dis- discussion where you feel like you kind of get to know a person and their point of view and Gomer, I don't know if you remember when we were at Steubenville when so it it, it all kinda came to head like what, like two thousand one. I remember when we were at Steubenville and that was brought up. A lot of people were very quick to defend priest. And I remember we had a, a, a we had a priest there who's who's a phenomenal guy. You know, he gave a homily where he started talking about all these heroic things that priests have done. And, and and a lot of priests really did get run through of the ringer and I think one of the effects of that was it was very easy if you were on if you were a a conservative catholic to rally around priest and a support of the victims there are, those are two very uh, different things and the great part about podcasting is we can provide a very personal per, a very personal respect a very personal perspective on of these things and in 2005 i found out that my dad was abused by a priest back in the 70s um he was sexually uh, um abused uh this priest at the time was in the it was um in the seminary and was in the early 2000s when all this stuff happened he you know he um he 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 became a he he was a priest um uh, um for years you know and now when again when he abused my dad this he was still in the seminary i believe at that at that point in the, in time there were a lot of other victims as well and my mom told me that when my dad saw him, because my mom and she had learned about the abuse, I she's pretty sure it was right after they first got married. And so, so this was, you know, like 23 years or so after of the fact. And when they had the priest image on TV, my dad's face went white. And my dad was uh, going to what was pretty much spiritual direction with our with our parish uh our parish priest at that point in time and who was a great man and our parish priest he um he recommended that my dad you know he talked with my dad about it at length and he recommended that my dad you know go and talk to the archdiocese about this and so one of up happening was my dad basically was um Part of they basically invited. him. I don't, Actually, I'm not sure how this all went down. But my dad, there was some um, a, some a reparation that that occurred because of this. And I tell this to you guys because I want these are like when we talk about this, it's always so abstract. Yeah. And it's we and I was really hesitant to say, do I do I say it's uh, my dad? Do I say it's a person that? I know, and I asked all my sisters, and I asked so far as, as a lot of our sisters know, my dad passed away in uh, in uh, 2008. And I asked uh, I asked uh, my mom, and without hesitation, my mom said, Absolutely, yeah, like you should talk about this. And she said, I think that really I thought was very profound was that she uh, believes that Christ allowed this stuff to come with the light because he wanted his church to be cleaned out. And and I was like, you know, we, and that would really surprise me because my dad was, you know, I mean, this happened. He was probably, my guess would be late, probably in his teens, late teens or early 20s. So my guess is he was probably because my dad was curious that he was going to go into the seminary. And so he'd go to these like camp little stuff they'd have for, for, for boys who were interested in that. And that's where it happened.
0: Oh, from a from a, a seminarian? I believe at the time he was a seminarian, but then
1: he did become a priest.
0: And what's his deal now? Is he alive? Uh, he was
1: – I think he was defrocked and that I believe he went to jail. I believe. I'm not 100 percent sure. I, I don't I – really, I can't speak to that. So this could be totally wrong. And obviously I do have to say here like what I'm about to express don't reflect uh, 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 any of the views of my – of – who work for and all that stupid stuff. But um, like, I think especially a conservative Catholics, we're so quick to uh, defend and like, we want to, we want uh, to rally around these priests while we, uh, while we also want to uh, support the victims. And I think we have failed to support victims. I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. I, I I don't, I really, really don't. But I do know that if a person like my dad can go through that and still remain a very, like, faithful man until the day that he died, um, that speaks to the power of God and the power of uh, Jesus Christ and the Catholic Church and our faith. But there, I think there are a lot of people who are disenchanted, and I don't. Think. I mean, I I can't speak for my dad, but I, but I do know, and you know, this like because I first found out about it when my dad would he would get really upset when certain you know certain people in the church when they would like say stuff, and my first instinct would be to always defend other church. And finally, getting hit, he was like, "You know what? You need to hear my story." And I was like, "What?" And I was like, "Wait, what?" (laughs) So, I mean, I don't know. So I. Like my dad was a really great man. And I know he would want me to talk about this because my dad was such an open book and he wanted he wanted everyone to find healing because he knew everyone hurt and everyone had pain and he wanted people to come uh, to come to know the healing power he experienced through Jesus Christ and his relationship with him. And I I do think that one of that you know this email that we got I think it's right I that this is an issue we don't talk about. Because we go, oh, it's horrible. We need to pray for all the victims. This is awful, and that's like kind of as far as we go. And I think there's more that we can do. I think it starts with talking about it. And I'm not saying that everyone who either was who either was abused or you know who knows a person who who was needs needs to go out and be like I you know like you don't have to come out and share that you don't that's I'm doing this because I know my dad would be okay with me telling you guys this stuff because that's how he is. That's just my my dad is an extra, he, he was an extrovert who loved to share his story with people. But I do think we we're doing a disservice by not rallying around these people. I don't think we are. I, I don't think a lot of, I don't think, I think a lot of the, I think there are a lot more victims than we think that there are. I guarantee you, at, probably all of us know at least one, one, person, or or not that far off, like one, like one a degree or so.
0: Sorry. Well, you I, also got to realize, know. especially how many victims went on to commit suicide that are literally should be here with us, but because of their, um, because of their rape and and molestation, they killed themselves. I mean, a lot of people don't think about that, but there are plenty of people, especially, um. A lot of the cases in uh, this one town in, or this one area in uh, Australia right now, Cardinal Pell, who's reforming the Vatican's um, banking uh, system, that uh, he's under fire because he was a priest that made clergy like assignments or something in the day when this one guy was molesting. And he said, Well, I was also doing like 10 other things and I never knew about this. And, you know, and I didn't pay attention to like, Rumors, but in, I never heard oh he 's raping kids or he's molesting boys or girls or whatever, but um I kept reading this article in research for this topic, and it said like like a dozen kids had committed suicide <sighs> you know when they were in their twenties, you know, and this happened something in like the eighties, mm-hmm. but they still killed themselves, you know, and there's no going back from that you know i i 'll never forget a priest who said he had a vision of hell, and he said in very like dramatic terms, but he said. Uh, the road to hell is paved with the skulls of unfaithful priests. And I think, like, you know, that's a crazy statement. I don't know how crazy the individual that said it was. But um, when you think, like, the road to hell is paved with molesters, right? Like, I don't think there, there's a single right-thinking human being who's like, oh, yeah, I'm cool with that. You know, like, it's it's so hideous. Uh, and it creates nothing but, um, I mean, the, the the amount of damage it does to individuals who then have no self-worth. Right. A kid who becomes a victim of abuse doesn't think, oh, someone's paying attention to me. I mean, that might be at the time, but after a while, it's like, you know, especially because they seek disadvantaged kids or, or you know, whatever, um, that it becomes this thing of like, I hate myself. I hate myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, does God, you know, when, when it's a priest, it's like, does God even care about me? Does God even love me? And they despair. Oh, my God. So, anyhow, uh, I just think that's an important point to note, that there are more victims, that we will never hear their voice because they killed themselves.
1: Yeah, and it's... It's so crazy because... We... So Okay, so when Spotlight won Best Picture, I was like, okay, here we go. House is going to uh, go down? And, you know, the a director... Of, for anyone who does not know Spotlight is supposed to be a friggin' movie that is about the Boston the, the people over at the Boston I think it's the Boston Globe who um who broke the big story how the archbishop out there was basically like moving around how all the stuff you know got hidden pretty much and yeah. You know, he uh, he basically the during his speech, the director of that of that film, he said, let, you know, hopefully this this starts a, uh, you know, like hopefully this starts a uh, chorus that is heard by all the way up to the Vatican. Po- uh, Pope Francis, please restore uh, the faith or like something along those lines. And and at first I got mad. I was like, "Do you know all the stuff the church does now? There's so much safe environment stuff that you like r- really can't even do good youth ministry.
0: You can't anymore. not only that you can't do good youth ministry, you can't do good ministry. Period. In certain it's, places, it's it horrific. is it is so hard. It I had so a 17 year old boy who had loaded questions. Call me, track me down to my he listens to the show. Hey, bro, uh, but I told him I was like, Hey, I can't talk to you on the phone because I'm an employee, a full time employee of a parish." And I know you're calling my office line and you're asking these questions, but I'm not involved with youth ministry, even though I have the safe environment training and stuff. I'm like, uh, I really can't talk to you on the phone. There are some places where they said that you absolutely cannot have a conversation with a minor on the phone unless their parents are right there with them. But mm-hmm. uh, our diocese isn't that severe, even though we conform to the, the bishop standards and, and all that stuff. And and I think, you know, after going through all that training and all that training again, you know, you got to do these mm-hmm. refreshers. I honestly, I'm thankful for it. Yeah. My eyes are wide freaking open. I don't think I'm seeing, you know, creepers where there are no creepers. I think I'm done excusing creepy behavior because that training. And our diocese does virtus, and I like it. I really do. I think it's important. I think it's beneficial. And the most important thing is we we, we don't, we, we are on the lookout. Like, I'm hypersensitive because I'm a man that used to do youth ministry. So I'm hypersensitive to it. Um, You know, for women, it's probably a little bit different because their molestation offenders, uh, offenders of molestation who are women are dramatically lower than men, uh, though they still exist. But um, I I just feel like like all of that stuff, I, you know, I I think that I I don't think I ever would have thought of, you know, uh, giving a second thought to taking a kid home like if I'm driving and. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm hanging out at the high school, and a kid's parents didn't show up, so I'll give him a ride. Now I'm like, oh gosh, I need like 57 people in the car with me and a release. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I'm just not going to do it. You know what? You get my car. You just take my. <laughs> you drive. Actually, no, that's horrible. Now it's liability. <laughs> you know what? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just giving up driving. I'm just going to give up driving just to stay safe. And <laughs> walk on on the other side of the street. And and you know, here's
1: here's the thing too is that it's ultimately up to other uh, laity to help restore the faith we are it's our responsibility to go and evangelize and part and part of that is to admit when horrible things happen to go this was fucked up this is one of the most fucked up things that has ever happened and if there's anything we can do to help anyone who's been hurt we will do it no questions asked and instead it turns into well these groups are a bunch of liberal catholics and trying these... to destroy the church exactly and like it's like it's part of the gay agenda which makes me so mad because this is pedo- this is pedophilia not homosexuality two very different things um it just we're so great at playing victims that we degrade true victims And in no way is that Christ-like. I don't even know what that's like. That's more of a a Judas thing, almost. You know, like, oh, why didn't you do this? Like, like, be like me, Christ. Do what I want you to do, and kill all of the liberals. You know, like, I'm just
0: like, come on, like, get over yourself. That's an, an, an impetulant Peter. At the agony in the garden with his sword, yeah, that's you know? and, much. And what much did better. Jesus have to do? <laughs> what did Jesus have to do? Jesus had to go out of his way to heal the ear severed off by Peter of the high priest or the priest's servant. You know, like that was mm-hmm. a that was a thing, right? This, um, you know, and obviously that analogy is super weak. But the the idea of um, oh, here is a better line. G.K. Chesterton uh, said this line that I used to say in terms of the Iraq War. Um, all these people who would defend the Iraq war because of the troops and this and that, and then they would be like, yeah, but it's our country. And I would say, you're like G.K. Chester, and I already had a line where he said, uh, saying my country right or wrong, right, I'm for America right or wrong, is like saying my mother drunk or sober. No, you want your mother sober. You don't want a drunk yeah. mom walking yeah. around puking on your friends, right? Um, but that line refers how much more so to holy mother church where it's like yeah man catholic right or wrong right or or we don't we can't admit the human nature of our church um so predominates the experience of catholicism for many people that it is sinful human beings that are drawn to it it's sinful human beings that administer it that's why the pope said pope benedict said uh the church is always in need of reforms and you know one of the fascinating things that that um you know, I, I, you know, what? I'm, I'm not going to go there yet. I'm not going to go there yet. But uh, I do want to point out two things um, about Spotlight hitting. You know, number one, we need to wake the fuck up when it comes to the fact that Spotlight hit the won the Oscar. Like people everywhere are watching. People who are non-believers are watching. Institutional Catholic Church defend and hide and shift around molesters in the name of protecting the church or whatever. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, we destroyed a thousandfold. Because then it could have been this one guy who's a freaking nut job. But instead of blaming the one priest who's a freaking nut job, now it's widespread, organized, systematic covering up and and thus continuing um, molestation. Right. And um, I want to point out two things. Number one, Cardinal Sean O'Malley, who is the um, cardinal over the diocese of Boston, which was the hardest hit diocese. Let's not forget that. He... Um, he basically said, uh, I I got a quote here. He said, the media's investigative reporting on the abusive crisis instigated a call for the church to take responsibility for its failings and to reform itself, to deal with what was shameful and hidden and to make the commitment to put the protection of children first ahead of all other interests, right? Because they were trying to protect the reputation of the church, you know, above everything else. And maybe they were afraid of lawsuits. Maybe they were afraid of a million different things, um, but uh, and then the the article on Boston.com goes on to say O'Malley you know has personally met with hundreds of survivors and humbly is seeking their pardon even though he had nothing to do with it he is seeking the pardon on behalf of his brother bishops on behalf of Holy Mother Church but this is the one thing I want to point out before Cardinal Sean O'Malley walked into his office before he when he was first appointed before he did a single thing. He met with survivors, and he has continued to meet with them, uh, survivors of abuse, because he knows. He knows in his bones this is what will destroy Catholicism, has destroyed Catholicism for over 3 million people in the United States. That's around the statistics. About 3 million left the church citing their number one reason was the sex abuse. 3 million. I know people who who recovered their faith and um, – and have returned to the Catholic Church, but one of the things they refuse to do is donate to, like, I don't know what you call it. We call the Diocesan Service Fund here yeah. because yeah. they're afraid it will fund lawyers' fees to cover this stuff. He'll fund his local church. He will never pay a dollar, a dollar to fund a diocese. And you're like, but the diocese do so much. Like, you have no idea the good that is done by a diocese. But that's the thing is it, it's just destroyed. It's destroyed. Um, people's trust in the church and and I don't I do want
1: you know it's really interesting because I think a lot of people could have learned a, a lot from my dad now my dad didn't go and, and tell the whole world about this but I think that th- no one tried to talk to him about it anyways though so well actually I, 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 I uh, strike that I don't I, I don't know if that If that is actually true, what I am what I am trying to say is if you know a person that has happened to and you have if you have built a point in a relationship with them, where it wouldn't be awkward to talk to them about it or to say that you support them, you should. Because I think that you we we have things to learn from them and they have things to tell us and their pain is very important and if we ignore that we ignore Christ so to turn a blind eye and to 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 point a finger at anyone besides those
0: priests is ridiculous and wrong and i don't, I don't like wait 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 say that again to point a finger at anyone besides those priests yeah is wrong so sorry. I mean, well, you mean in terms of like blaming the church as a whole or Jesus? Sorry, or yeah, what?
1: no, what? No, no. I'm I'm sorry to say it's part of like a liberal yeah. agenda, oh, okay. gotcha. Or, or to say that it's not, re, you know, like there's this thing where it's like, well, if you look at all of the stats. It's not. It's not any. It's not any worse than like a Protestant like minister or a you know a married, like,
0: married married yeah. Country. Who cares? Yeah, literally. Who cares?
1: Why does Why does that matter?
0: But the difference. Tell me. Yeah. The difference is though the many denominations within the protestant world do not have a hierarchy like we do i mean some do of course anglicanism yeah. and other stuff but uh, yeah and so they didn't have a a hierarchy that can that found out covered and then instead of removing priests instead of reporting them to the police they move them to a new place yeah and, i mean if
1: if anything it makes it worse like what what Exactly. I'm trying to say it's like don't and, I, and no. You nailed, sure I'm you nailed okay. it. I okay. think okay. you nailed it. Okay. I was sure clear. that. It was I just clear. okay. No.
0: So what I was just saying was, you know, like you have these people who say, yeah. Well, and I was one of them when this all happened. You know, it, here's the deal. When this hit like a bombshell, it didn't affect me in terms of I'm going to lose my faith because my faith was not in the priests. I've had enough. By the time I was, you know, 20, I've encountered enough annoying, bad, lazy. Unspiritual, uncaring priests in my life that I I didn't you know like my measure of my love for Jesus Christ and the Catholic Church isn't measured by their faithfulness and their holiness. Mm-hmm. Now that's one thing to have a, a a lazy, lax, whatever priest, but to have a priest who is actively using the priesthood to commit evil—that is an entirely new level of evil, right? Um, oh yeah. But then, but then, my first reaction because I was totally removed—I didn't know a single person. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, you know, when I was a young child and I've always been an altar boy, I've been an, uh, actually a month ago, I served as an altar boy again, which was awkward because <laughs> the, uh, the, the cassock only came to like my kneecap. So that was weird. <laughs> and I was wearing the bluest of blue jeans, but, uh, no, but so this, this, uh, because it was removed from me and I didn't know anyone that had been molested. Um, what ended up happening for me was I said, number one, yeah. Okay. It's because then a lot of statements were, well, cause they're, they're celibate. And they they you, you know, the modern narrative of if you don't have sex, you're gonna explode or become a pervert. Um and so that's why there, you know, there was a particular focus on the Catholic priesthood. And so we all rallied, right? We all rallied around celibacy by saying, Yeah, well, Protestant ministers and Jewish rabbis and blah blah blah. It's all about the same. It's like one to three percent or whatever it is of the total clergy, and actually it's lower than the Catholic Church. And we would throw out all these statistics, you know, but what we were doing by that was what you're pissed off about is it was um an inability for us to, for those of us not directly affected, for those of us who who currently were going to a good church and had good priests and you know would, who a priest who would beat the shit out of another priest if they found out they did this, um, that we, we were like okay come on it's not a big deal, but to those who were affected now I go to Bo- I used to go to Boston a lot more back in the day. Um, but, man, I would go there, and someone says, well, what do you do when you go to Boston? I said, well, number one, I look at the 80-year-olds and the 18-year-olds, because there's no one in between. Mm. It's, it, it was stark. I went to a, a beautiful church up in North Boston, uh, and they had just celebrated, it was an Italian church, they had just celebrated a uh, festival where all these men paraded a statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary around their town. Um, I felt like I was watching the Godfather, and um, or I was experiencing the Godfather, and they marched into the church. All these men stood up at the front, and the Priest did a blessing, and they all left, and none of them went to mass. And I looked around; there was a handful of monks that were going to this church, a handful of this, handful of that, and none of the people in the room uh, were either younger than or older than teenagers, or younger than, you know, eighty or seventy years old. The entire my parent, our parents' generation, all of them mm. gone. All the baby, yeah, the, yeah. The baby boomers are gone because they were the ones molested. They were the Mm -hmm. ones that know molested people. They were the ones who were pumping their money into the thing and Gen Xers as well. Yeah. Um, And now you have millennials who because Boston, oh, my God. I mean, Father Matthew, who is the head of the Office of the New Evangelization or whatever they call it now. I mean, I know this guy personally. This guy heroically kept youth ministry basically under Cardinal O'Malley who put him there. This guy's a a devout Catholic, charismatic, all this stuff. But he fought for youth ministry. He fought for the youth, right? And I would do events with him, and I've never met a more tireless priest. And he would just say to me, you know, it's an uphill battle, right? And so you have this crazy situation where there are teenagers in churches and 80-year-olds and rarely a 40-year-old. And I remember one time I did an event where there was a confirmation mandatory parent meeting. And it was the hardest thing I ever had to do. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do because I'm watching parents who, you know, at my church, it's like 40, 50% don't go to Mass regularly. Here, it was like 95% don't go to Mm -hmm. Mass at all. But they're putting their kid through, they're going to get it for grandma's sake or whatever, get them confirmed. And they said, You can talk about anything, you know, know, in this thing that you're going to evangelize parents. And this is also back in my early days where I really didn't know what the hell I was doing. But I constantly mentioned the pre-sex abuse scandal, and they were like, I'm, I don't want you to talk about it. And I'm like, well, but that's what's keeping them from the church. And mm-hmm. if we don't talk about it, right, if we don't bring it up as an evil, sinful thing, if we don't drag it out into the light, and I'm not saying cover up other abuses. I'm just saying talk about it as a part of our Catholic life. Like this is now a, the new normal for these people in, the, in a suburb of Boston. I was like, if we don't talk about it, they're thinking it. They're not coming to mass because of it. And if we don't ever bring it up, they're going to be like, and here they go again. Here they go again. Tell my son, oh, it's so important that you could get confirmed. And it's like, really? Were those priests confirmed? How come yeah. it didn't change them? You know? And then, like, we, as
1: how to put this, as a group of people who can uh, be who can be viewed as being on the uh, conservative end of Catholicism.
0: Franciscan Which says, what? What?
1: I love a Franciscan. Donate now. No, it's true. I actually am. Um, We're so, like, we do this stuff. Like, we will enter into a dialogue, but we always have an agenda. And I just want to be like, stop, stop. Like, if you aren't comfortable with having your kids be altar boys, to me, that's totally under, that's totally ununderstandable. I, I don't fault anyone for not being uncomfortable with that. And I don't think anyone has a right to tell them they need to uh, get over of themselves or, or, you know, or, or, you know, we will applaud people who, uh, who uh, forgive. And by our actions, by our ex, by our facial expressions basically by anything other than our words we scorn those who aren't able to overgive yet who haven't tried to re-engage the faith because we think that everyone should just bow down and not rage against the machine when it's when it's appropriate yeah i don't know it just it just I, i just get so pissed off that were so freaking passive
0: so what i know? mean do you know what you would do in this respect so here's the here's the twin problems as far as you know i can tell and I, I don't know anything i have no personal experience with anything cardinal sean o'malley i just know him from afar you know i've never met him i've never shaken his hand one time he couldn't give a talk so i was flown out to replace him and i literally tell people that all the time i was like you know i replace a cardinal for a talk it's, it's i mean it's <laughs> no big deal like and they're like we knew we could get you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh that's a you good were cheap. You were cheap. You were cheap and always available because no one wants you. <laughs> and I was like, wow, my mom said that to me. Okay. Um, but no. For my the... wife, the weirdest thing. <laughs> At the same time, it was the worst Thanksgiving ever. <laughs> uh, no, but, like, thinking about this, like, you know, this notion of immediately defensive, right? And And the inability to listen to the broken, the other side, because it's your team, you know? Like it's your team. You don't want to hear that your team sucks, or to hear that your team, whose literal whole point is to make people good, uh, is engaged in the worst of all evils—not just molestation, but the covering up and perpetuating of molestation—that uh, breaks. My, I mean, like, I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin with the hurt. Like, if they were to make a married clergy, and they were, and Pope Francis were to come to me and say, "Michael, I want you to be the first Catholic priest." who's married, I'd be like, okay, but here's the deal. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, I got to hang out with other priests. If any of them touch my kids, I'm going to break their necks. Do you understand? Like, this is the Mm -hmm. vengeful, undisciplined, but also fatherly side of me that says, these are my children. If you do anything to them, anything, I will kill you. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, and we, me and my my men's group, we met and I told them, like, we were going to talk about this tomorrow. And they were like, Wow, yeah. And so I said, you know, if, if so if you found out a priest molested your kid, what would you do? And they were all like, I would hang on to a thread of holiness not to kill them. Like I could be canonized for not killing them, because that's how restrained I would have to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and yet and yet, you know, this is the one part where I think celibacy not it's called in a question, I think celibacy is wonderful for the priesthood, but They don't, you know, I'm sick and tired of hearing priests say, oh, thank you for affirming my vocation, you know, when they meet my kids, because my kids will affirm every celibate's vocation. Um, But I just think about that. (laughs) I I just got that. Thank you. But priests (laughs) will do that. Like, they say that as a joke. Like, I I mean, it's one of the standard jokes that I hear from the pulpit. Like, oh, you know, I get to hang out with my nieces and nephews. And then I'm like, oh, they poop. Thank you for affirming my vocation. They pass the baby away. And Mm -hmm. I think about that, and I'm like, one priest actually said, "Yeah, but at least I got to do the thing that created those kids, and you don't." Because I was so pissed off at this guy for saying <laughs> that. But you know, they don't have an experience. I mean, some priests, like you know, you think of, you know, a lot of priests actually. They're very involved in their families' lives. They're very involved with their their brothers and sisters who have kids and stuff. And they know what it's like to love and and have that desire to protect children. You know, but to someone who's so removed with their Catholic faith, you know, to a bishop who's just who looks at his view, not as a father, but as an administrator, like, oh yeah, his whole thing is to protect the brand. You know, we're sorry. What was the line that you said that really pissed you off? Um, uh, or that pissed off our friend who sent the email in, uh, expressing their sorrow that such a thing could happen, but you know, whatever it was. And it's just like, you know, that's, that's true. Like that's what you hear constantly.
1: Yeah. And, and
0: like, honestly, what
1: else more can uh, they say? I think there is something but like not much but we need action and to me that action is on behalf of the lady we have to go out there and engage other world and just because like you can be orthodox and you can be obedient to the church and be angry at, at the church mhm and it's like okay so going back to the pain that my dad experienced because of that, I could not even imagine, but my dad would also tell you that there is so much more to his, to his story. You know, the probably the number one thing he would talk about would be his love, uh, his love uh, for God Two would be, Oh, uh, my mom and then us and then his kids. And then in there, his love for Oprah, um, but uh, <laughs> not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, um, but like, but it's it's like my dad was a really good man who, when that happened, I think, and I and I could be a projecting here, but I think I think he experienced people starting uh, to rally around the priests as opposed to uh, the victims, and. I think he did feel abandoned by some people in other church. They can cause a lot, you know, and I, I, yeah. again, I could be wrong. And that's not, that, that's not right. That's not, that's not what he deserved. That's not justice.
0: Yeah. I think the biggest problem um, that kind of comes with this and it comes with the polarized atmosphere is, okay, number one, as our feminist sisters have taught us, you do not blame the victim, right? You don't say, Oh, well this altar boy was, you know, putting himself in a position to be molested. You know, you don't do that. That's ridiculous. Um, But there's another thing that we need to balance, which is uh, the right of the accused to defend their innocence, right? Or to defend their, you know, their case. Yeah. And the problem becomes not with the victims and not with the accused, and not even with the media, which, you know, people assert the media has an agenda. The media's agenda is to sell media, <laughs> right? Like, if they're mm-hmm. super liberal, they're totally cool with smashing the church, um, as long as it sells newspapers. If no one gives it a crap about bashing the church, they're going to stop doing it, right? But it still sells newspapers, right? Um, you know, whereas someone more right-wing won't bash the church, but uh, will indeed, you know, like, I mean, like, they're still out for the same sensationalism in order to sell papers, That's a cynical view, but it's still 100% true. So you have this notion then of, like, who is is profiteering from this. And there are uh, not the victims, not the victims' groups. There are lawyers who literally make it their mission to destroy the church because they think the church is a positive evil in the world outside of abuse. Um, there, I, I can't remember his name. There's one lawyer in particular who, you know, a couple people did, uh, a couple journalists did an investigative report of him and found out that he was, you know, totally into anti-Catholic stuff for years before he ever became, you know, active in um, in these molestations. I wish I could remember. Tom, Thomas something. Um, and he travels the country you know but, but at one sense it's like okay well, someone who is has this chip on his shoulder is going it will not have the hang ups that someone who you know maybe respects church authority or something will have you know he'll he will go after and get the victim's rights and you know smash the you know the the different um, things that are trying to prevent uh the truth from coming out, but at the same time, you know that i mean the entire diocese have been bankrupted and I'm not going to say that they didn't deserve to be, you know, very truly. Maybe they deserve to be bankrupted for covering up, especially if they actively covered it up, totally. Mm-hmm. But, um, but at the same time, you know, you have to defend and accuse, because how do you know he committed this? kind? Of, because there were accusations that were proven false. Mm-hmm. And yeah. once you have one accusation, Cardinal Bernadine being the, probably the most famous, um, mm-hmm. the former Cardinal, uh, he's deceased, of uh, Chicago. Who my dad, by the way, um, he met and adored him. Yeah, I don't like him. But uh Oh you don't? no, never mind. Sorry. You don't have to apologize for your dad liking him. I mean, he's okay. I mean, I've read a couple of his books and stuff, but I think he is the worst example of a post Vatican II bishop. But um he yes. also but he also <laughs> loved his priesthood. He loved his priesthood, he loved his vow of celibacy, he loved being a bishop, um, and he loved Chicago. Like you can't and when when he died, T B N the T B N is that the Chicago? Uh
1: no, it's W G N.
0: WGN, right? So the Cubby station uh had his funeral on the entire time. Um, And showed everything, and it was very extensive in the 90s. But um, anywho, he was accused of molesting um, or sexually attacking or whatever. And one of the things that's famous from his his memoirs was he refused to listen to the lawyers and the PR people. And over and over again, he made statements denouncing these charges and saying they were false. And ultimately, the person confessed that they were false and that they um, they felt that they were essentially coerced into saying it by other people in order to shame and humiliate the Catholic Church, and particularly him. Um, and so you have this this notion like, once something happens like that, if something like that happens once, then there's like a precedent in people's minds that, well, what if all these are false? And that's what you ended up having between Pope John Paul II, who is a saint, and um, Father Maciel of the Legionnaires of Christ. F- the Pope believed these accusations about him, you know, having extramarital, you know, having uh, adulterous unions with women and all this stuff. And and possibly the molestation of children and all I, I can't remember the charges. That's why I say possibly. Oh, they're pretty bad. Okay, good. I know okay, all okay. The... Yeah, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. those charges, right? Yeah. So I, yeah. I just said possibly, not because like I'm saying he's innocent, but because I just couldn't remember what they were. Uh, also, I'm five years in. Um, that he uh, in in the Pope and the one who went after him was Cardinal Ratzinger. And Cardinal Ratzinger, before he became Pope Benedict, recalled the conversation with Pope Francis or Pope um, Pope JP P two, and saying, no, you need to stop thinking of this man as a persecuted saint. Because we know we have the history of the saints where almost all of them are persecuted, especially by the church. And you have this whole like, Padre Pio, you know, all of this stuff. They okay. were attacked and attacked and attacked. And people lie about them just to destroy them. And then it's like, oh, and then when Pope Benedict became the pope. He went after him because he believed the allegations were 100% true, and that's when the entire order you know, essentially fell apart because he found out that this guy was well, horrific. That's not true, but keep going. Oh, what do you mean? It's not true that their entire order fell apart? Yeah, no. Well, I mean, their order still exists, but many men it was were left a, it was a
1: huge, Yeah, it was a huge shakeup. Let and me it, say this. It, it was, was rightfully so.
0: It was an upheaval. Yes, absolutely. The order still yeah. exists. I but know it's wonderful legionnaire priests. Mm-hmm. Um, they all happen to have the same haircut, the same French uh, cufflinks. But, um, There's reasons for that. I know, right? Uh, but they, uh, they, uh, uh, you know, the best educated <laughs> priests by the Oh, by. hands
1: down. Hands down. Yeah. I mean, and some of the, it's – you know, I've um, – I, I, I had a feeling we don't have to go too deep into this, but yeah, like that's an example of, I think I had a hard time when I learned all these things about him. Cause I have, I've done a lot of work with the Legionnaires and uh, some of the, some of the people that I hold in the highest esteem either were right. You know, they were in the seminary or they are consecrated. Uh, they're consecrated women and RC. And so I just think, of the world of them but i had the hardest time trying uh trying uh, to reconcile what i thought was an evil
0: man with all the good that came out of a thing that he's that he started the rigorism of their priesthood is a very beautiful sign of the, their dedication you know like, oh absolutely absolutely i mean do you do you have any final thoughts let's, let's get yeah your closing I, thoughts I, I, I do
1: just one really quick thing um it can be a long thing, baby. It don't have to be quick. <laughs> when, okay, so there's this one a comedian who I like called Todd. His name is Todd Glass, and um, he uh, came out as gay, and he was asked, like, what would you say to anyone that is, like, hearing this? He goes, you know, if you have a friend who, like, you think is gay, but you guys haven't really haven't talked about it yet, don't use the F word around him. Just be over-respectful of him. Like, you know, that's – and and it kind of – that reminded me of this, that if you, there are people in your life that you have probably been either of a, they've been, they have been abused either by a priest or a loved one. When you talk about this stuff, rally around other victims bef- just as much as you do the priesthood. You know, don't just don't jump under the gun to be like, well, all of these people, it's part of this, blah, 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 blah. Like you, that will kill them. Inside You know that's that's the worst thing You can and don't be afraid to go This is so fucked up And don't be afraid To talk about that with other people That's all I I think honestly If if there is one thing that That my dad Would want it would be for That that To happen To acknowledge the horrible things that That happened and to try to to try to promote a healing, healing from uh, like healing. I'm sorry. How how do I put this? My dad would want and I and I truly believe this for one of the victims to be healed emotionally and to have a strong relationship with with uh, with uh, with with Christ. And that's only going to come through a personal encounter with, with him and with others. So not us trying to talk about how great other priesthood is. Don't try to change their mind about anything. Just love
0: them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Um, so my thing is um, that I wanted to mention is something that I want to mention <laughs> two things that coincide with this one is what we call clericalism clericalism is something that essentially rise within the, the, the laity after the council of Trent with the protestant reformation clericalism can be defined you know somewhat casually as essentially I don't need to be holy I'm just a lay person I just need to be obedient right I need to pray pay and obey the priest needs to be holy the nun needs to be holy the monk needs to be holy I just need to be obedient to whatever they tell me to do. And Vatican II sought to radically address this with um, Lumen Gentium, where uh, in it it talks about the universal call to holiness and how everyone is called to love Christ, be in a relationship with Christ, be a disciple of Christ, and to become holy as Christ is holy, as our Heavenly Father is holy. And so that notion actually is probably the most explosive in Vatican II. Mm -hmm. Um, Not because it's unheard of, or was not a part of the Catholic tradition, but because it had lost its, its prominence within Catholic culture. That's the important thing. But what had taken its place was clericalism. And clericalism is the laity being totally cool, just chilling in the pews, and when they leave on Sunday, not really caring about their faith. Or doing it in a way, I shouldn't say not caring about their faith, because I think a lot of people profoundly cared about their faith as it was a part of their identity but was not the same thing as their happiness their their core.
1: Mm. And yeah, there's a big difference between those two things.
0: Right. I mean one is and and, and not to say, you know, when I, we kind of got called on this I did via an email. <laughs> uh <laughs> love you Katie, but um in the message, it was like, you know, you, we, we presume too much about people's faith. And I, I want to make something very clear. I understand that the generations that have gone before me who might not use the language of personal relationship desperately had a relationship with Christ. Um, they had a beautiful, wonderful relationship with Christ, a sacramental relationship and all this stuff. But there's an element when your faith is ritualized that you can coast in a way that when it's not ritualized, like – a a non-denominational evangelical, and I am going somewhere with this, a non-denominational evangelical, that you're kind of put on the spot to have it be more personal, more from the heart than you are when, like you can say a Hail Mary without even caring about a word you say. I've raced through a thousand rosaries in family prayers where no one cared about the words they said at all, or at least it felt that way, you know what I mean? And so um, what my point is, clericalism meant the priest is holy, the priest is sacred, the priest is beyond reproach. And this element of it's the priest's job to do the holy things, it's my job as a layperson just to let those holy things happen um, and to, like, obey and donate and whatever um, and get involved in CYO if I'm young and Knights of Columbus if I'm older, Um, that the whole kind of trajectory of that was when priests did horrible things, no one wanted to believe them. And no one wanted to say anything about them because they were, oh, the priest, you know. And that that created not an atmosphere of abuse. Clericalism did not create an atmosphere of abuse. Clericalism created an atmosphere of silence about abuse. And I think that's a very important thing that we need to understand. Um, and it's a thing that um, you can find in the book Divine Renovation Father James Mallon says, I think this is one of the origins of the sex abuse scandal, is this clericalism, where we, we put the priests on such a high pedestal, it's unfathomable for us to think that they're actually human beings capable of deep, deep sinfulness. So that's one thing. So Vatican II is about the smashing of clericalism, and I am too. That's what I do. I smash clericalism. I try to get the laity to wake up to their vocation, and you bah. said it smash horse smash right but the (laughs) other thing was something i listened to from uh, bishop Barron, and now that he's a bishop these are huge things he was a rector of a seminary now he's a bishop huge huge burdens of responsibility for the formation of priests and now as a bishop i mean come on this is the this is the point where he has to deal with this stuff and he said something fascinating on the word on fire show not the homily the show if you look for the podcast he said, um, because one of his major um, works of scholarship was on uh, First and Second Samuel, and he did it for some ongoing biblical criticism where theologians contribute, not biblical exegetes. And so um, he did his on First and Second Samuel, and there was something very fascinating that he said to me. He said, or said to me, said in the podcast. <laughs> we we talked. To you. We talked. It was to me. I knew and it was this to part's me. Just for Gomer, my favorite. Indubitably, this is for Gomer. Um, <laughs> He said, he talked about Eli. Now, in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel, Samuel is a, um, a, a young man dedicated to the Lord by his mother, Hannah, and she dedicates him, saying, like, God, God, give me a, a child. She didn't have children, and she couldn't have kids, and God gave him to her, and she said, I will dedicate him to you. Kind of like a first fruits offering, right? And uh, so, Samuel was raised in the house of Eli, who was the high priest of the temple, but Eli's own kids were horrific, horrific people, and Bishop Barron pointed out something that I never, and I've heard these stories before, um, that these two boys, uh, young men, um, were horrible with the sac. First, it was the sacrifices; they did not care about the liturg- liturgical worship of their of God. That they would constantly intervene as some, you know, stealing with a three pong fork the meat that was still boiling, and blah blah blah. But um, but the other thing was that um, there was this report that it said that these um, that the young men were sinning grievously and even behaving promiscuously with the women serving at the entry of the meeting tent, at the entry of the, the, you know, the temple worship place, right? And so you hear this, and nothing was done. And Bishop Barron said this. He said, you know, you have this story of these two priests who are abusing, who are engaging in sexual abuse, and nothing is being done. And he said, what a powerful witness of the evilness of a church that is silent, when these destructive sexual abuse is happening and nothing is being done by the people who rule over them in the old Old testament it's eli in the new testament it's you know it's us it's the church it's the bishops it's whoever um and so i i just love the fact that he pointed out and he goes and so what did god do god judged god sent a prophet to eli and the prophet said your house is so utterly corrupt. Like Eli, at one point, Eli scolded them. He's like, Why are you doing such things? I hear from everyone, their behavior is depraved. Stop this, my sons. The report I hear is the Lord's people spreading is not good. If someone sins against another, anyone can intercede. But if the Lord, you know, sin against the Lord, who can, be, who can be saved and all this stuff? And yet, what happened? He yelled at his sons, right? He slapped them on the hands. Nothing changed. And God said, I'm going to kill your sons and I'm going to destroy your house because that's what you did. And what are we watching? What are we watching? Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. But a radical judgment of Holy Mother Church for not disciplining her sons in a way that makes sense. Now these are not my words. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, totally Bishop Barron's words, but he brought that to my attention, so I went and I collected all the, I read all of 1 Samuel, like the first half of 1 Samuel, and I sent it to you in that, te- that's why I sent you that random text or email, it's like, <laughs> Eli and his sons, um, but that was the big thing, why are you doing so? And the Lord, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it rings, on that day I'll carry out against Eli everything I have said about his house beginning to end, I announce to him that I am condemning his house once for all because of his crime, though he knew his sons were blaspheming god he did not reprove them but earlier he does reprove them but it's not an, he doesn't stop them he doesn't intervene he just yells at them and they don't give a crap therefore i swear to eli's house no sacrificing or offer no sacrifice or offering will ever expiate this crime and i think in terms of well we have the one expiation jesus christ we have the one sacrifice once for all in jesus christ on the cross but But it is almost like the book of Revelation where you have the story of these seven churches and Jesus taking away their lampstands, you know, it's like I am, which symbolizes the presence of the church before Christ. It's like, okay, here's God's judgment. There's no promise that the gates of hell would not prevail against a particular church here in America or a particular church, you know, anywhere. So what are we to do? We are to not commit the sin of Eli, which is shrug our shoulders and wish for the best. And that's just as
1: much on uh, the lady as it is the uh, the clergy.
0: In terms of overall disposition, yes, but not in terms of being able to. T- number one, the knowledge of it—I didn't know any of this stuff was happening—and number two, the authority over these men. Lay people oh, do not yeah, have authority, authority over priests, except no, by our screaming voices, which should be
1: something. I do think that our lack of a uh, support for a lot of the victims. Of the vic-
0: yeah, I absolutely agree.
1: Is just as bad. So like, that's, that's, that's what I'd put it. It's, that's us screaming going, Oh, this is wrong, but aren't, but isn't, Oh, the priesthood so great. Look at all these priesthood, all this good stuff. Like, and we should know, and don't, i wrong. We should talk about the amazing thing that priests do. I don't know where I'd be without all the, uh, the amazing priests that are both in my life right now. And in the, and in the past, we'd be lost.
0: Yeah. How, how delightful that this podcast comes after our interview was one of the greatest examples yeah, of, of to, you know? yeah and i, I hate just, that this is the thing i hate that this is the too. thing but yeah. i hate ignoring the thing that it is we cannot do that we cannot and, ignore and the i, thing that it I is. think
1: we have i think that our good friend is right we have been you know and that's why I, I i hope i honored my dad by talk about it and i hope i didn't just say it loud. like they like but by the way like this happened to my dad um I, I hope people know that, like, th- that they understand that this was a personal thing that happened to people that I know and I care about. It's not a thing we I read about in Fox News. This is as real as it gets, and there are people in your life, and you might be one of them. And I want you to know that, like, I'm. if you are, I'm so sorry that this happened. To you. If there's any way that I can support you, uh, I will.
0: Trying to think of how to support, you know? Like, what is the support that we could give as and not as the church, but as Gomer and Luke being a
1: friend? I think by talking about this right now is is a uh, huge. And I think that's that's all it takes. Just talk about it. Talk about the how awful it is. And if you yeah. and if, uh, you know, people who have gone through it, you don't have a right to hear their story, but you can pray for them. Don't, like, shun them. Don't talk about how it's part of a gay agenda and how, you know, don't say stupid stuff. Like, be a normal a human being and talk talk to others and pray uh, for others and, you know, uh, support these groups. Because not all these groups are trying to uh, support the other victims are part of, like, some whack job liberal agenda. There might be some. I don't know. But, like, you know, like, don't just uh, write them off either.
0: Even if they are, they're still victims. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like,
1: I don't know, just like trying to uh, support these individuals is it's, it's much more important than you having to feel like you're on the right side. Be un be uncomfortable. I, I mean, look, I don't know. Like, I don't know what this looks like. I have no idea what what I still need to support them I don't, admit, I, I don't know what it looks like i don't know if it's that if that means that people want to talk to me about it i absolutely will like you can any one of our listeners if you want to if you want to talk to me about this I, I i will i will drop whatever i am doing
0: you know and another thing is we also want the bishops that are doing good things to know oh, that we support no, them too like absolutely like absolutely this is, this is the part that i think you know it People want to paint with such a broad – oh, the church is – well, it's not the – church. well, the highest level. Well, it's not like the pope has every – people like, oh, well, the pope should know everything. The pope has no information. Like the pope didn't even know who Donald Trump was, you know, for <laughs> crying out loud. And we have such a myopic view of everything that we think, well, everything that happens in America. Everyone should know. And, yes, a lot of people know because America is the most important country, Merca. But uh, that doesn't mean that every de- – like, I mean – It's impossible. It's impossible to know all this stuff. So Mm -hmm. I just say this to the bishops engaging in right and true reforms, we support you. To the bishops who are meeting with survivors and their groups who are trying to work out just and equitable like settlements with people Mm -hmm. and and, you know responding to lawsuits, not from a, a position of radical defensiveness at all costs. And there are bishops doing so much. We support you. We love you. And for those priests who are being faithful priest i know a priest who said to me you know every time i go to the bathroom i don't know how it is for you but every time i go to the bathroom it has to be completely empty and i have to have a guard outside the door and i know this priest and i've had to be the guard before i had to be like nope 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 you can't enter you got to hold it <laughs> we have a priest in there it's the only bathroom in the you know uh, uh you know all this stuff and so
1: yeah and if that's what we got to do, that's what we got to do. Just be okay with it. Like, turn the other cheek, people.
0: Yeah, and one, the same priest said to me, you have no idea how awful the sex abuse scandal is for me. He said, I'm not allowed to hug. He said, it's very difficult for me to hug my nieces and nephews without my other family members uh, staring at me with inquisitive eyes. He said, whereas 10 years earlier, they never would have, oh, yeah, here's their uncle, who's also a priest. Now it's, oh, here's the priest." who's also their uncle. You know, like, oh. And this is the corruption of letting this abuse fester is now good priests have to deal with the rotten priests.
1: And the only thing that's going to convince the world... Actually, who... um, Well, stop. Who cares if we don't convince anyone? (laughs) I felt your impulse there. Who cares if we don't convince the world?
0: Well, I kind of do. I mean, like,
1: yeah, obviously, like, I do... Care, but don't make a culture war out of this. You know, like there, there isn't any reason to. I
0: don't know, like, die out of your freaking self once in a while. The protection of molesters, there is no culture war. You just stop protecting them, right? Everything else, that's that's a different thing. Understanding what is a just and equitable equitable settlement with, uh, you know, I mean, because if you think about it, right, when the diocese goes bankrupt because they're funding sex abuse victims. Uh, claims which totally fund them, donate to that cause, whatever, um, but if they go bankrupt there 's also this is another horrible fallout from the abuse homeless people aren 't getting meals, homeless people aren 't getting showers and and clothing you know um, people don 't think about they just think oh the diocese, but the diocese represents elderly monks and nuns and priests who are faithfully serving their flock, and even if you 're an atheist. They were faithfully serving the poor of your community when you were too busy with your nose up arguing with theists. (laughs) You know They were serving the poor, and now they are in destitution because there's no retirement for them, or there's no this or that for them. I mean, there are multiple dioceses that are in complete bankruptcy because of this. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't be. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't have payouts. I mean, what is the price of a a 5-year-old's innocence? What is the price of a 10-year-old's virginity? raped by a priest what is the price of that a million dollars ten million dollars a hundred million dollars mm-hmm. you know but what you know this is the thing this is why we need radical discernment and we need holy priests well and i think we
1: need as lay people yeah i sorry really quick i agree with that 100 and like
0: maybe 110 percent.
1: yeah 115 for you my friend there's so many great priests that I know that I'm grateful for And I think we are going to see that, but it's going to take decades. But at the same time, I, I think there's a lot of other, I think there's a lot of Catholics who struggle with how they actually feel about this. Talk about this. Talk about this in your small groups. Talk about this in your, whatever, like talk about it with your uh, community, your friends. You talk about it with your spiritual a director, whoever, like don't just don't just blindly accept this and just like act like it never happened.
0: All right. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we don't even know how to end this conversation because it's it's an important conversation. You need to be having it. You need to find out more. You should probably go and watch the movie Spotlight. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to rent it from my uh, Apple TV because Apple's the greatest thing ever. Um, (laughs) All hail our corporate overlords. Right. Um, But I'm going to watch it. Uh, I tried to watch it before tonight. I actually tried to watch it last night, and my men's group ended up going um, until 10 o'clock because we all started praying over each other, and you know how that goes.
1: <laughs> so, uh, right?
0: Prayer can also be efficient, everyone.
1: Prayer can be efficient.
0: <laughs> wow, it was like 45 I know, seconds per I'm, person. I'm, I'm just kidding. But then we cried That's and just held each other. But, um, no, seriously, we need to end this podcast because uh, I'm the only one home, and uh, I need to take my daughter to the bathroom. But All right. Uh I I, re- I honestly hope everyone who hears this says, you know what? I'm going to find out more about this stuff. Mm-hmm. I am going to get safe environment training, even if I don't work with the youth or anything like that. Stop complaining about it, too. Just do it. Just do it. Virtus is what – what do you guys use? Uh, what, is yeah. a, a, what imagine does a uh, hypothetical diocese that you belong to? What do they use?
1: Uh, they – I believe this hypothetical diocese in the sky uses Virtus as well.
0: <laughs> you believe. So you haven't taken the training? Oh no, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm speaking but, hypothetically. You know, the best part about the Virtus training, this is the best part, is the fact that my parish church that I grew up in in Broken Era, Oklahoma, is one of the is the main church that they filmed um the the bishop talking in. There's a scene with a, a bishop talking oh, yeah. about protecting oh. God's children. And that's mm-hmm. my church. Oh, I was like, "Whoa!" I know that stained glass of Christ at the Agony in the Garden. (laughs) That's where little
1: Gomer used to serve mass.
0: It was man. I was an altar server like a B O S S. All right, ladies and gentlemen. God bless you. You can find Luke at the Luke the. You can actually you can't find him there anymore. He's still there, but he won't. Oh, I'm there. No, no, you're not. You're deep working. You're too busy deep work. God bless everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye (laughs) Like us on Facebook. Other than that. May God bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you and grant you his peace. Good night.